Now, guys, uh, to the text. Um, last week, I finished up a series on Luke 18, you may recall. Um, but this morning, I'm going to finish up another series that you may not have even known that I was doing. The series had to do with the Lord's Supper Sundays, which we do once a month, as you know. For the last 10, I don't know whether you picked it up, but for the last 10, I have tried, I have sought to take you to show you texts that not only have changed men or changed a man, but changed the Christian landscape that, that altered the kingdom through these texts. I saved this one for last because I think it is so odd. This text that I'm about to read you, it's in Jeremiah chapter 3. If you want to follow me, it won't take long to read it. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 4, reads like this. Have you not just now called to me, my father? You are the friend of my youth. Now, I want to read it to you again. But this time I want to read it to you out of the King James. Um, the King James, the one translated in 1642, 17th century, says this. Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me, my father, thou art the guide of my youth. Now, um, I think that's odd. But William Nib didn't think it was odd. Well, who is William Nib? I'm going to tell you. But first of all, let me read to you one more time. By the way, this is the Bible that was available to him, the King James. And this was the text that changed his life and made an enormous contribution to the kingdom of God. It goes like this. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 4. Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me, my father, thou art the guide of my youth? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, the slave trade was abolished in the British Empire in 1807. Uh, you might remember William Wilberforce. You remember him, that name? He was kind of the driving force, no pun intended. Uh, he was kind of the driving force behind this movement to um, make illegal the slave trade. But this was a new fact to me. The total abolition of all slavery, that included the owning of slaves did not happen for another 26 years. So whereas the slave trade was abolished in 1807, the ownership of slaves under the Emancipation Bill would not take place until 1833. Now, um, after that victory in 1833, three days later, William Wilberforce died. 
But guys, it was another five years after that, in 1838, that the Emancipation Bill finally made its way to the West Indies, especially to the island of Jamaica. Now, gang, um, Jamaica, you know, a place that you sometimes visit. Jamaica was at the center of the slave trade because the slaves would be brought oftentimes directly from Africa to Jamaica and then dispersed from there. And in addition to that, Jamaica had a very thriving sugar. They were a sugar exporter that required a lot of slaves to manage it. But the Emancipation Bill didn't get there until 1838. William Nibb, K-N-I-B-B, his brother, his older brother was a guy by the name of Thomas. And Thomas was a Baptist missionary that went to Jamaica and he lasted three months. He died of malaria uh, there in Jamaica. His younger brother, William Nibb, volunteered to take his place, which he did. So he and his wife sailed for Jamaica in 1823. They were 21 years old. Thomas Nibb and William Nibb, two brothers, the one that died after three months, the other lasted 22 years, these two men, um, they, they saw the work of evangelism to be directly connected to the work of emancipation. And so both of them were known for their fight against slavery. In the 22 years that William Nibb was in Jamaica, first of all, um, he buried all three of his children who were born, who, who died pretty much right after they were born. Um, he also translated the Bible into Creole. But on more than one occasion, because of his views of slavery, William Nibb was arrested, he was charged with rebellion, handcuffed, and drug around the island. The churches that he built for the slaves were all burned to the ground by slave owners. I want to read you just a couple of sentences from William Nibb in terms of his view of slavery. He says this, and I quote, The cursed blast of slavery has, like a pestilence, withered almost every moral bloom. I know not how any person can feel a union with such a monster, such a child of hell. I feel a burning hatred against it and look upon it as one of the most odious monsters that ever disgraced the earth. The iron hand of oppression daily endeavors to keep the slaves in the ignorance to which it has reduced them. You can see why the slave owners didn't like him. 
but he pressed on. And as a result of his tireless efforts there in Jamaica, the slaves were set free at midnight, August the 1st, 1838. As the clock moved towards midnight, William Nibbs stood before a large audience and he shouted, The monster is dying! And at midnight, when the clock struck midnight, William Nibbs stood up and said to his vast audience, he said, the monster is dead. He died in Jamaica seven years later at the age of 42. And it is said that um, at his funeral, 8,000 free slaves attended his funeral. And then I want to read you just a couple of sentences about what he said as he was dying. He said to his wife, I am not afraid to die. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin, both of omission and commission. That blood is my only trust. And then, and finally, here comes his text. And then in the last seconds of his life, he reached out for his wife's hand, his, whose name was Mary, and he said, My father, wilt not thou be the guide of my youth? And he died. Folks, in 1988, that was just 35 years ago, it was on the 150-year anniversary of the abolition of slavery in the British Empire. William Nibb was awarded the Jamaican Order of Merit, and he was the first white male to have ever received it. He is considered the Abraham Lincoln of Jamaica. There is, to this day, a high school and a hospital, both named after William Nibb. And he was driven, that is, in his living and in his dying, he was driven by one little text that he read out of Jeremiah 3, verse 4. Wilt thou not be the guide from my youth? With that and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin, both of omission and commission, with those two things on his lips, he died. You know, guys, um, what we do here once a month in this sacrament is not just some empty church ritual. 
It is a, it's a sermon. It's a simple sermon. Um, it is designed to remind all of us that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, both omission and commission, sins of our past, sins of our present, sins of our future. And so, my dear brother and sister in Christ, come, meet us here, and be reminded again that we are safe. Safe because of what's being put on display, the outpouring of His blood and the breaking of His body so that you and I, the undeserving, could be, a, could be certain of an eternity of forgiveness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you indeed use this sacrament to remind your people that this is, um, this is not something that is to be done with no engagement, but that it is in this tactile way a reminder of what Jesus accomplished on behalf of his people. That this is a clear statement of the gospel that at the center of everything Christian is the life and death of Jesus Christ on behalf of his people. So meet us here, O God. Do that for Jesus' sake. We pray in his name. Amen.